As we open up God's Word this morning to Ephesians, any elementary kids are invited at this time to gather in the lobby for children's worship together. But we're in Ephesians chapter 5 today, so let me invite you to open up to that portion of God's Word, Ephesians chapter 5, and we've been journeying through this this letter, Paul's letter, first century letter to the church in Ephesus, and so we continue our, our trek through this book. We're in Ephesians chapter 5, and we pick up today where we left off last week. We pick up today in, in verse 8, and so even though you just, just sat down, let me invite you, if you are able to join me standing for the reading of God's holy word. Let's hear the word this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 14. Paul writes, he says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Would you pause with me for prayer? I know, God, we thank you this morning for being a God who speaks, who doesn't leave us in the dark, but who is the light. Jesus, you are the light of the world. Guide us as we seek to know what it means to be rescued by you and to live as children of light. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Lord, the light of your love is shining in the midst of darkness. Shining, Jesus, light of the world, shine upon us. Set us free by the truth you now bring us. Shine on me. Shine on me. Shine, Jesus, shine. Fill this land with the Father's glory. Blaze, spirit, blaze. Set our hearts on fire. Flow, river flow. Flood the nations With grace and mercy, send forth your word, Lord, and let there be light. At those lyrics from my childhood era, penned by Graham Kendrick in 1987, became part of a popular Christian praise song that many of you are familiar with called Shine, Jesus, Shine. A fitting song, a fitting text for our text in God's word today. The tempo and tone of Kendrick's, Kendrick's song is upbeat. It's upbeat. It's an earnest request wrapped in joyful praise. And likewise, church, I believe we're to hear Paul's instructions here in Ephesians chapter 5, not as, not as a burdensome uh, legalistic set of instructions or ethical commands to follow, but as the joyful privilege of God's rescued people. The joyful privilege of God's rescued people. You see, those saved by Christ shine the light of Christ. Those who've been, who've been saved, who've been rescued, those who've been saved by Christ 
are people who are then called to shine the light of Christ. We're to shine the light of Christ by living lives that reflect that we've experienced the gospel of Christ. Lives that reflect that we've, we've been rescued by the sovereign grace of the Almighty God on high. ABC's 2020 recently aired an exclusive with uh, Diane Sawyer called Escape from a House of Horror, telling the story of, of 13 siblings who were rescued from their parents' home after decades of neglect and abuse. These kids were sheltered and unaware of normal life in the outside world. These kids, the Turpin children, were living in filth, literally shackled at times in physical darkness until one night when one of the daughters gained enough courage to sneak out of the house and to call for help, realizing that this was not normal, that this was not right. And and now two of the older daughters are speaking out about the horrors that they experienced, exposing, uncovering the, the evils that they experienced in their home. And their story is described as one of going from darkness to light. Now, you may not have been physically shackled, neglected, and abused. I hope not. We would not wish that on anyone. But every one of us has been in bondage to sin. Living in darkness. By God's grace, our story, church, is one of going from darkness to light. And Paul says we we weren't simply living in darkness, but that we were darkness. That's what he says, suggesting our entire existence prior to faith in Jesus was defined by darkness. We did not live for Christ. We did not give God glory. We lived for self and self-glory. Verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. So right here for the third time in Paul's short letter, the contrasting conjunction, but, is a welcome sight on the page. Recalling two previous uh, B-U-T's. Chapter 2, verse 3. We were by nature deserving of wrath. Verse 4. But because of His great love for us. Same chapter. Chapter 2, verse 12. We were separate from Christ. Without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Good news. And in our chapter, verse 8 today, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. One commentator says, once again, Paul reaffirms the truth that is at the heart of Ephesians. This letter, in Christ, we are no longer what we were apart from Christ. But now, but now is the, the phrase that underscores the decisive new reality in the believer's life. And I would say, church, this, this decisive new reality made possible by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is our reason for joy today. We, we have hope beyond this life. We have the hope of eternity. 
We, we have peace with God and we have joy for today, for we've gone from darkness to light. And since God has transformed us from darkness to light, we can discern what pleases God and we can live that way. That's what Paul is saying. God has rescued you. You've gone from darkness to light. And because God has transformed us from the realm of darkness to light, we can discern what pleases God and live in that way. Paul writes, he says, live as children of light, reinforcing reinforcing that salvation precedes transformation. It's not the other way around. It's not clean up your life and then the Lord will look with favor on you. No, salvation precedes transformation. Church, you you know this, right? A new identity in Christ precedes and precipitates new activity for Christ. Once again, this is a message of salvation by grace alone. Salvation by God's grace, consistent with all the identity language of Ephesians, even of this chapter, you are, verse 1, dearly loved children, so live for the Father who loves you. That's what he's saying. You are God's holy people, verse 3. So think and act like you know the God who saves. Paul's just recounted the reality in our previous text of God's coming wrath. And he makes no bones about it. Don't be deceived. For because of these things, and in that context, he's speaking of immorality and greed. So because of these things, God's wrath is coming. But Paul's not saying stop sinning or you're going to hell. That's not his message. No, he's, he's saying God has rescued you. He's rescued you from sin and its grip on you. So live like you've been rescued. Have you been rescued? Are you confident that you've been delivered? That you've been redeemed? That you've been forgiven? That you've been saved? Do you know the merciful Savior who has overcome sin and darkness? You see, if we're not striving to walk in the light, we may not know the one who is the light. This is not a burdensome message. Let's not hear it that way. This is not a message of... A certain type of living, of ethical living that shackles believers. No, this is a message of freedom. Speaking to the saved, Paul says, verse 10, and find out what pleases the Lord. You see, the saved want to honor the Savior. Those who've been saved, those who've been rescued, those who've been delivered, the saved want to honor the one who has saved them. If the absence of sin was the measure of salvation we'd all still be living in darkness. For we still deal with sin. None of us are without sin. Paul's not talking about the absence of sin, but about a desire to please the Savior. Like many of you, perhaps, I can remember as a child wanting to please my father. Probably more than anything, I wanted my my father's approval. That's not unheard of. That's a common experience for many of us as kids with a father in the home. We, we want, we want dad's approval. And I particularly remember feeling this as, as a boy, probably a teenager in the realms of academics and, and athletics or whatever, whatever I was doing. I wanted to know that dad was pleased, that he approved it. I remember one particularly difficult conversation that I had 
with my father because I knew my, my dad had these dreams of his kids going into medicine. He was in the medical field and he he just loves it. He still loves it. And he wanted kids to, to grow up, at least one of his kids to grow up and pursue that. None of us did. But I, I remember wrestling with that and sort of thinking, maybe, maybe. And then having the conversation with him, no, Dad, this is not for me. Now, I remember the weight of that conversation, not because of anything he said or did, but simply the, the burden of wanting to, to please and receive my father's approval. And even now, looking back, I certainly still want such, but not to receive approval, but with a different perspective as someone who's grown up and has a family of my own. I want to honor my father because he has cared for me, because he has loved me, because he's provided for me. And it's the same way when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. We're not striving to gain God's approval for such efforts are pointless. We can never achieve it or attain it on our own. We've all fallen short. But because he has provided for us, because he has rescued us and sustains us, because he welcomes us into his family, we want to honor him for who he is and what he has done for us as a saved. We want to honor the Savior for how the Savior has cared for us. Paul says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. He says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. So what does it look like? What does it look like? To live for the Lord. What does it look like to to honor the Savior? What does it look like to live as children of light? Well, Paul helps get us started. He helps get us started. It means to, to reject the deeds of darkness. The very thoughts, attitudes, and actions that once consumed us and controlled us. It means, he says, to reject immorality, greed, and self-indulgence. It means to reject these things, immorality and greed and self-indulgence, for such is not fitting for God's people. These are the fruitless deeds of darkness. The focus of the previous passage that we dove into last week. These are the marks of the disobedient, verse 6, who remain estranged from God. God says, do not be partners with them, verse 7. Have nothing to do with their deeds, Verse 11, suggesting the incompatibility of partnering and participating in the community of God's people and continuing to participate in the community of of darkness. It's like having one foot in two houses. It's like trying to attend two different parties at the same time. It, It doesn't work. One scholar says the basic orientation of the two communities are as incompatible as light and darkness. That's what Paul is saying here. He employs this metaphor of light and darkness. Paul says it rather clearly in 2 Corinthians 6. He says, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. What do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? The saved want to honor the Savior, which means that we reject immorality and greed and self-indulgence, but we pursue generosity, fairness, and honesty. These are some of the things that we're to pursue. This is 
type of attitude in living, in practice, that should characterize children of light. Paul calls the deeds of darkness fruitless, but he says the light bears fruit. Especially, he says, all goodness, righteousness, and truth, verse 9. Goodness implies benevolence. It's the opposite of greed. You see, when we're benevolent toward others, we shine the light of Jesus Christ, the one who's been benevolent toward us. So let's be a people who consider how we can be benevolent this Christmas season. How can we be benevolent? How can we be characterized by the kind of goodness that God has shown us? Well, church, many of you have have done so and are doing so, continue to do so. In fact, as a church family, you provided clothing for over 50 kids, 61 kids, I believe, young kids through the Christmas gift shop ministry and then another More than 50 teenagers through gift cards to clothing shops. So as a church family, you're you're doing that. More than 110 kids that collectively we have purchased gifts for, needed gifts, so that they can be provided for this Christmas, but also hear the good news of grace in Jesus Christ. How, How can we be benevolent toward others? How can we reflect the character of God during this Christmas season? Perhaps it means befriending a neighbor. Maybe it means taking some goodies to a neighbor. Maybe it means inviting a a widow or an international that lives near you into your home during this holiday season. Maybe someone that doesn't have family nearby or a place to go. How can we be benevolent toward others this Christmas season, pointing them to the, the God who's been so benevolent to us? Goodness. Righteousness describes upright behavior that's fair and impartial. And truth, of course, implies honesty. You see, such things stand in stark contrast to the deeds of of darkness. But this is the nature of our God. Paul's reminding us to imitate the character of God, which is only fitting For just as children reflect the nature of their parents, so God's children begin to reflect His nature, shining the light of Jesus Christ. Church, those saved by Christ shine the light of Christ, and not in a rigid, robotic, rule-following kind of way, but in a heart transformation kind of way. How do we know this? Well, Paul gives guidance, but his application is open-ended. Is it not? He says in verse 10, and find out what pleases the Lord. Find out what pleases. In other words, God doesn't give us an exhaustive list of appropriate behaviors for his people. Rather, God's equipped us. He's equipped us with freedom to discover his nature and then to begin walking in step in accordance with it, growing as his children as we apply his word to the particular circumstances of our lives. This is Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Do not conform and do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. You see as you walk with Christ, reading his word, spending time with the Lord and growing in grace, figure out what pleases God. 
and live for Him. Are you living for Him? Are you living for the God who saves? Since God has transformed us, since He has changed us, since He has delivered us, He's transformed us from darkness to light, we can discern what pleases God and live in that way. So let's be a people who live for Him, for this pleases God and it points others to Him. You see, as children of light, we are agents of transformation. We're agents of transformation by shining the light of Christ on those who are living in darkness. So we're called to live as children of light, not not just for the sake of honoring the one who saved us, certainly for that sake, for his sake, but also for the good of others, for the good of those that don't know him. Those saved by Christ shine the light of Christ for the glory of Christ and the good of others. Our, our living for Jesus brings honor to Jesus, but it also witnesses to the world about the goodness and the grace of the God who saves us in Jesus. First Corinthians, Paul says it this way. He says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, ambassadors of Christ, representatives of God, heralds of his truth, ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. A message, a ministry of reconciliation. And in Ephesians, he says it this way, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Christians are messengers, heralds of God's truth, called to expose the depth of human sin, but also to proclaim the magnitude of God's saving grace. I think that's what... Paul is saying here, as the redeemed, we we get to shine the light of Jesus Christ. It's the joyful privilege to live as God's people. We, We get to shine the light of Christ on those living in darkness. And one of the ways that we're called to do so is to expose the evils of darkness. The text is rather clear here. We're to be like honest journalists exposing the evils of darkness. And the emphasis here isn't on exposing the people so much living in darkness, but on the deeds of darkness, stripping greed and immorality of their attractive veneer and uncovering their true colors. One writer says, The penetrating, discerning light of God's love exposes evil. It says we are not helping people if we pretend that sexual immorality and greed are not hurting them. The medical doctor who refuses to give the true diagnosis is guilty of malpractice. You see, the deeds Paul's referencing here are especially evil. They're unmentionable, and he says that they are done in secret. In other words, they're they're improper for believers, they're improper for God's holy people, but even, even, this is what he said, even many unbelievers recognize the particular vulgarity of these things and try to hide them. Paul is saying as believers, as you shine the light of Jesus Christ, part of your role is to expose the evils of darkness, to uncover the truth. Church in our day, a, a woman's right to choose often remains a veneer. For freedom to murder. Or the lie of, of private 
pleasure remains a veneer for feeding a multi-billion dollar pornography industry that preys upon women and children. Or things like widespread support of prostitution fuels abuse and human trafficking. And we might even say that the unbridled pursuit of individual prosperity can turn impoverished neighbors into inconvenient competitors rather than folks who may need our help. You see, Satan's domain is characterized by evil and injustice. And Christ's people are not only to avoid it, but we're to expose it. And the clearest way to expose it is by shining the light of Christ upon it. Jesus said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So what might it mean for us to shine the light of Christ on the injustices of our day? What might that mean in a conversation about these very topics? What might that mean in a conversation about abortion or pornography? When it comes to these things, for those who know Jesus, for those who are children of life, for those who have been rescued by God's grace and know the value of life in the eyes of God, it should be more than just what we're against. Certainly, we ought to expose those things, but it also ought to be what we're for. We're for life. We're for health. We're for healing. We're for restoration. We're for care and love and generosity because we believe that is the character and the nature of the God who has rescued us. You see, just like Jesus, Paul's telling us to shine the light of Jesus on the deeds of darkness so that some who are practicing those deeds, deeds of darkness, will see their sin next to the beauty of Christ and by God's grace become people of Christ. We're to shine the light of Christ, trusting Christ to save. Trusting Jesus to transform lives. Not our role to transform lives. God is the God who transforms lives as, as the Spirit moves. And as His people are, are faithful, shine the light of Christ, trusting Jesus to save. Our text closes with a poetic picture of conversion. Verse 14. As Paul seems to be quoting an early Christian liturgy, envisioning a preacher calling the unbeliever to wake up from their slumber and to rise from the dead through faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul's not shaming sinners. That's not his purpose here. Nor is he telling us to shame sinners. He's inviting those who know Jesus to shine the light of Jesus, exposing the deeds of darkness, and believing that as we do with fidelity to the gospel, Christ himself will transform people from death to life and from darkness to light, just as he did with us. And to save by Christ, shine the light of Christ. And we do so because we know that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not, cannot, and will not overcome it. You see, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's what we're remembering and celebrating this time of year. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, 
to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Or in the words of Paul, to be children of light. So friend, let me ask you this morning, have, have you received him? Are you a child of God? Are you children of light? Are you God's holy people? Are you dearly loved children? Not because of anything good in you, but because of the kindness and mercy and grace of God that led him to send his one and only son into the world to take on human flesh and live the life that we couldn't and didn't and wouldn't so that he could lay down his life on the cross in our place as the substitute sacrifice fully paying our sin debt, taking on our guilt, taking on our sin, receiving the wrath and judgment of God so that God could be just and justify us, calling us His own, clearing us of our guilt, pardoning us of our sins now and forever. Are you a child of God? If not, receive Jesus today. Call on Christ today and be transferred fully transferred from the realm of darkness into the kingdom of the Son God loves, now and forever and ever. Receive Christ today and then begin shining the light of Christ. What a joyful privilege it is, brothers and sisters, faith family, to shine the light of Jesus this Christmas. What are are some ways that we can shine the light of Christ this Christmas season? May we seek the Lord that he might show us, that he might show us those around us, be they neighbors, co-workers, classmates, strangers, that God has put in our path, that we can befriend, that we can serve, that we can welcome in so that they too might experience the grace of the Almighty God. Brothers, sisters, may we shine the light of Christ for the glory of Christ. Until Christ our Savior comes again. And oh God help us to do so. Lord help us to do so in our spheres of influence. Lord for we believe that you are a mighty God who saves. And that you have saved. That you have sent your son. Your only son to save us. Lord to rescue us. To redeem us. To forgive us. To invite us to be your people. Lord, it has been done. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Lord, we have not accomplished this. We do not deserve this. But in your mercy and in your love, you have extended salvation to us by your grace. Something that can never, ever be taken away. So, Lord, this morning, collectively, your people at Meadowbrook say thank you. God, thank you. Lead us to follow after you. To run after Jesus. Lord, to live as children of light. And Father, we pray that you would shine the light of Christ through us. In this community and to the ends of the earth. Until Jesus, the light of the world, comes again and gathers people from every corner of the earth. Into his presence forevermore. Lord, lead us to long for the day. Lead us to prepare for the day. Lead us to live as strangers and aliens here, shining the light of Jesus in the darkness. For the glory of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.